0: Uh, This Sunday, as a church family, uh, we're spending some time in the book of Psalms, in particular these two sister psalms, Psalms 90 and 91, which sit at the beginning of book four in the Psalms. This morning we looked at Psalm 90 and how to cry out to God in the face of death. If you didn't manage to uh, see that this morning, uh, do catch up um, online, as these Psalms really work great as a pair together. And this evening we turn to look at Psalm 91, but before we do so, let's pray and ask for God's help. Father God, we live in troubled times, and we recognize that as we come before you this evening, that many of us are anxious and fearful, that some of us are ill and that some of us are dying. And Father, we pray that you would speak to each of us now, through your word and by your spirit, that you would show us your peace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. How can we have realistic peace in this troubled and dangerous world? It hardly needs saying that these are difficult days, anxious, worrying times for all of us. Times that have thrown so much of life's seeming certainties up in the air. So how can we have a realistic peace? Not a superficial peace that simply tries to suppress the anxiety and fear that we feel. Not a shallow peace that says, oh, it'll be fine. Because I think we're all coming to terms with the cruel reality that that is no peace at all. How do we find a realistic peace, a peace that is real and deep, a peace that can withstand all this world throws at us? This was a question that the nation of Israel were grappling with as they found themselves in exile in the 6th century BC. And it's very much a question that's on our minds today. And so we come to Psalm 91, And it's a psalm of astonishing promises. But is there anything behind these words? Are they just some warm, fuzzy words from the Bible to help us feel good about ourselves when life is tough? Are they just replacing one form of shallow peace with another? As we see this evening, the answer is emphatically no. Because the one who stands behind these promises is the Lord God Almighty. Now, before we turn to look at the promises, I want us to first to think, who are these promises for? I came across a glossy advertising thing in one of these um, magazines a few months ago, and it caught my eye with these uh, beautiful pictures of sandy beaches and rainforests. And I looked closer. The advertisement was from the government of the Caribbean country of Dominica. It looked to me one of the most beautiful places on Earth. And they were offering citizenship. It looked great. They were promising full resident status with the right to live and work on this beautiful Caribbean island. There would be minimal taxation, No wealth, gift, inheritance, foreign income, or capital gains tax. And visa-free travel to over 120 countries and territories, including the EU. There was just one catch. To be eligible, you had to make a contribution of US$100,000 to their Economic Diversification Fund. If I'd wanted to take Christine and Annabelle with me, it would have cost me $200,000. So, as great as this first looked, it wasn't of any use to me because I wasn't eligible. Because promises are no use to us if they're not for us. We can't get comfort from a promise that's not for us. So, who are the promises in this psalm for? Are they for us? Or is looking at them just some academic exercise? Well, first and foremost, we see that these promises are for Jesus as the Son of God. Now, how do we see that? Well, if we look at the psalm, we see the promises are for someone who loves God, verse 14, who honors and trusts God, verse 2, who is righteous, verse 8. The promises in the psalm are covenant blessings. They're picking up on the blessings for obedience set out in Deuteronomy, and as we often find in the Psalms, the focus is on the king as the representative head of the people, and ultimately that is King Jesus, the Son of God, the one who is truly righteous, who truly honors and trusts God, who truly loves God. These promises are for Jesus, and we see that as well in the New Testament, when the devil is tempting Jesus in the wilderness, the devil says to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from the top of the temple. And then he quotes Psalm 91. If the promises in this psalm weren't for Jesus, if he wasn't the Son of God, then that wouldn't have been a temptation. But it was. As you'll see later, the devil was twisting the promises, but he was absolutely right that the promises were for Jesus. But wonderfully, Jesus chose not to take hold of these promises straight away. Instead, he came into this world to suffer and to bear the punishment of the wicked, our punishment, so that these promises could be ours as well as his. If we trust in Jesus, we are children of God. And even though we don't deserve it, these promises are ours in him. As Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, every promise of God has its yes and amen in Christ Jesus. You see, by nature, we are all outsiders. We've got no claims on these promises of God. Psalm 91 belongs to Jesus And wonderfully for you and for me, if we belong to Jesus, Psalm 91 belongs to you and to me. Isn't that a wonderful truth? And let's not lose sight of this. As we walk through this psalm, the psalm paints these promises in poetry. But the basis on which they are ours are grounded in the historical, factual reality of Jesus' death and resurrection. So as we turn to look at these promises, if you're not trusting in Jesus, if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, I would ask you, do you wish these promises applied to you, that they were your promises? If you turn and trust in Jesus, they will be yours. And if you are trusting in Jesus, then as we look at these promises, I want you to do so with complete assurance that these promises are yours in Christ. So what are the promises? Let's walk our way through the psalm, soaking in the promises, and then we'll step back and understand what they mean for us. So let's walk our way through the psalm, beginning at verse 1. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. A realistic peace in this world begins with the Almighty God. The Bible tells us that at the heart of the universe there is one sovereign, all-powerful God, the Almighty, the Most High. He's a shelter, a refuge, a fortress, a place of safety and security. This line, we abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I think part of the power of that imagery may be lost on us in not-so-hot Scotland. Whenever the sun comes out, we, we race out and try and find the sunniest spot that we can. But in the baking heat of the Middle East, Finding shade, finding protection from the burning sun, could be a matter of life and death. Being in his shadow is again, it's a picture of safety, of protection, but it's also a picture of his nearness, his presence, and his care. And if that's you as a Christian, that is where we abide now, it's where we live. It's not a place we visit. It's where we stay. It's our home, the shadow of the Almighty. And to have a realistic peace, we need to know that dwelling place, to dwell, to abide, to rest in the presence of the Almighty God. And as we work through the rest of the sound, we see that that dwelling place is a wonderful place of safety and security. Verse 3 for he will deliver you, the use here are singular, personal, from the snare of the fowler. That's just a net to catch birds. The idea is it's an image of being delivered from the unexpected and from the deadly pestilence, from sickness and disease, from cancer or the coronavirus. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. What a wonderful metaphor of God as a bird protecting the young from the weather and the predators, enveloping us in his arms, again reminding us that he is not distant, but that we live in his presence and under his protection, that he cares for us And looks after us. Verse 5. You will not fear the terror of the night. Nor the arrow that flies by day. Nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness. Nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. It's wonderfully real, isn't it? So often it's at night that our minds are most troubled. Our anxieties heightened by the darkness and quiet. And is it not the way that we cannot see the coronavirus, that it stalks in the darkness, what in part makes the current situation so scary? And we see here the promise is not that these things won't be there, but that we need not fear them. Because from these first six verses, we see a wonderful picture of safety and security, that if you are trusting in God, if you're taking refuge in Him, He will keep you safe in times of danger. And that promise continues through the following verses as well. Verse 7. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. Again, you're safe from harm in God's presence. Verse 10, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample under fruit. What incredible promises all-encompassing, definitive. If you are trusting in God, taking refuge in him, he will keep you safe in times of danger. And then in the final three verses of the psalm, the one who's speaking changes. It's now God himself speaking directly, saying, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. These are our promises in Christ. Because Christ held fast to God in love, because Christ came to rescue us, through him we are delivered, we're protected, we're rescued. Through him, we have long life, eternal life. Through him, through Christ, we have salvation. These are the glorious, wonderful promises of Psalm 91. But how are we to understand them? What do they mean in the reality of life? If we take verse 12, It's saying God's angels will guard you and ensure you don't stub your toe. Verse 10, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. Does this mean that God promises to protect us from pandemics? Are these promises that you will encounter no suffering? Well, no. And as we'll see, it's something even better than that. But in seeking to understand these promises, there are a couple of dangers for us. The first danger is that we misunderstand the promises. We think they say something that they don't. To see this, let's turn to Jesus' temptation by the devil in the desert in Luke 4. Let me read Luke 4 from verse 9. It says, And he, the devil, took Jesus to Jerusalem, and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, and then he quotes Psalm 91, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, quoting Deuteronomy, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus' response is no. He is saying to the devil, Don't twist these promises. Throughout Jesus' temptation, the devil is saying to Jesus, You don't need to go to the cross. You don't need to suffer. You can have it all now without the pain. And that is what he continues to do today. In the way he tempted Jesus then, he seeks to tempt Jesus' followers now. As he twisted the promises of Psalm 91 then, he twists the promises of Psalm 91 now. He would love to convince us that God has promised that we will not suffer and that if God is good, he will not let us endure suffering. So that when suffering comes and the Bible is clear that it will, the devil will whisper in our ear, he will say God can't be trusted, he's not kept his promises, or that you must have messed up and fallen out of God's favor. Don't listen to him. Don't let him twist God's promises. If that's the first danger, I think the second danger is one that we can often find the greater danger here. At Chalmers, we're perhaps alive to that first danger. We recognize that these promises are not saying that we won't suffer, that everything will be fine. We know what they aren't saying, but we're not quite so sure what they are saying, and therefore we can't enjoy the comfort that these promises bring. Because what these promises are saying is that if you are in Christ, you may suffer, but ultimately no harm will come to you. If you are in Christ, you may suffer, but ultimately no harm will come to you. We see this in the psalm itself, that the promises of safety and security that are so definitive, they're made in the context of a dangerous world, a world where arrows fly by day, and disease stalks in the darkness. Verse 15 says, I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him. We see it too in Jesus' own life. It wasn't a carefree existence. And as his followers, as recipients of these promises through him, we cannot expect our experience to be different. One writer summed it up well when he wrote, We live today with human frailty. Under the Spirit's guidance, as we follow Christ, who lived in frailty before dying and rising from the dead. We too live in frailty until we die and rise to glory as He did. But perhaps most clearly, we see what all this means in the words of Jesus Himself. He said, You will be delivered up, even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends, and some of you they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. Some of you will be killed, and yet in the same breath, he says, not a hair of your head will perish. That is the message of this psalm. That's the promise of this psalm. Ultimately, no harm can come to you if you are in Christ Jesus. Your eternal destiny is secure in him. God does not promise to protect us from every disease or pandemic or suffering during our earthly life. But he does promise to be with us throughout our earthly life a life that we live under his sovereign care and protection, that he will be with us to do us good and not harm, and despite all the circumstances, to leave us with a sure and certain hope. And he does promise that one day we will no longer face disease or plagues or pestilence, for the only disease that could kill us eternally, sin has been healed by Jesus' death on the cross. This psalm says, God will keep your soul safe for eternity through all the troubles and dangers, through all the hardships of this world. On the 8th of January, 1956, Jim Elliott, a Christian missionary, along with four others, were speared to death on a sandbar in Ecuador. They were trying to reach a community who'd never heard the gospel of Jesus. Jim's wife, Elizabeth, wrote a biography of her martyred husband. Do you know what she called it? The shadow of the Almighty. She understood the promises of Psalm 91. She recognized that the day that Jim died, as every other day, He was living in the shadow of the Almighty. She understood that the refuge of God's people was not a refuge from suffering and death, but a refuge from final and ultimate defeat. That while her husband had suffered and been killed, that ultimately no harm had come to him. And so with us, we may suffer, but ultimately, no harm will come to us. We live our earthly life safe in the shadow of the Almighty. We began this evening with a question, how can we have realistic peace in this troubled and dangerous world? The answer from this psalm is by taking refuge in the one true Almighty God, by turning to and trusting in his son, Jesus Christ, who died for us. It is only through him that these promises are ours. And what is that realistic peace? It's a peace that doesn't gloss over things or wish our circumstances away. It's a peace that speaks a sure and certain hope into the circumstances we find ourselves in. It's a trustworthy promise from God that ultimately no harm can come to you, that the eternal destiny of your soul is safe and secure, and that we live now in the shadow of the Almighty and under His wings. So as we close this evening, five reflections on how we might live in light of these promises. Firstly, trust in Jesus. Whilst neither me or you are likely to be eligible to live on the island of Dominica, all of us can live in the shadow of the Almighty. All of us can enjoy these promises. They're available to all who trust in Jesus if you wouldn't say you were trusting in Jesus, I'm so glad you're able to join us this evening. We'd love to chat further with you about who Jesus is, about how these promises can be yours. Jesus offers real peace in this troubled world. Turn and trust in him. Secondly, if you are trusting in Jesus, comfort others. These are wonderful, wonderful words to share and comfort other believers with. And I know that across the church family, there are many of us who are doing that right now. Let's continue to do that with ever-increasing confidence and assurance in these promises. I think one of the things that's challenged me is I've been studying the psalm, is how often I fall into seeking to comfort others with a, a shallow peace, defaulting to i um, I'm sure it'll be fine. Perhaps you do too. This psalm reminds me and reminds us that there is a far greater peace. So let's more and more be speaking that truth in love to one another. Thirdly, let us be fearless. We saw this morning from the closing verses of Psalm 90 the call to be eternally productive, that as our days are numbered here on this earth, to labor in service of Jesus, to labor for the things that will last. And the promises of Psalm 91 release us to serve Christ fearlessly, Yes, life as a Christian in this troubled and dangerous world may be scary. It can be scary. But the more that we grasp that ultimately no harm will come to us, the more we can step out boldly in service of Christ. Whether that's in our love and service of one another, reaching out to those in our small group who will be struggling, not being put off by saying the wrong thing or putting our foot in it, or in asking our friends or our neighbors that they'd be interested in reading the Bible with them, or sharing with them how Jesus is your comfort. Let's be fearless. But fourthly, let's be encouraged. If you're trusting in Jesus, I pray that this psalm is an encouragement and comfort to you. There are many in the church family for whom life is particularly difficult right now, for those of us who are sick, who are frail, who are in pain, for those who are dying, for those who are anxious about loved ones, livelihoods, finances, this psalm says to you, God is with you and will continue to be with you. Ultimately, no harm can come to you. The eternal destiny of your soul is safe and secure. For each of us, can I encourage you to read this psalm again this evening before you go to bed? Let these promises soak into your hearts. Take comfort from the assurances that these promises are yours and that you are safe in Christ. May you go to bed tonight loving God more and with an ever-increasing thankfulness For Jesus. And finally, remember where you live. You live in the shadow of the Almighty. That's your home. It may not always feel like that, but if you are in Christ, that is where you live now and where you will continue to live until the day when you see him face to face in glory. Let's pray. Lord God Almighty, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he came and took our punishment so that these promises can be ours as well as his. We thank you for these wonderful promises that whatever this earthly life may throw at us, ultimately no harm will come to us that you will keep us to the end. Help us to grasp these promises and the full depth of their riches. Encourage us, comfort us, and enable us to lovingly comfort others with these promises. Help us to live fearlessly in your service, secure in our eternal destiny. And Lord, we pray for those listening who don't know you. Draw them into your shadow. Enable them to find real peace and refuge in you through Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.